we're going to take the subject of biblical love uh, to keep the theme for February here uh, alive going into February 14th celebration there. But uh, we're going to read a scripture and then we'll dive into the meaning of biblical love for those taking notes. Uh, it's going to be pretty straightforward tonight. Uh, some scriptures, but uh, I won't go too, too quickly for you all. So let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for this evening, Lord, for the opportunity to gather here in your name and, uh, and just open up your scripture and to talk about your love for us, our love for one another. A biblical love, Lord, you've been laid out very clearly in your scripture. May you just, Holy Spirit, move in a mighty way in the hearts and uh, the ears of those listening and make wonderful changes, biblical changes in their life and follow you as a disciple, a follower of you, Lord Jesus. We thank you and praise you. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 Verses 4 through the first part of 8 is the scripture we'll read, which will be the most of the biggest kind of the focus and bringing us through this evening. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Now, as we take a look here in these verses, the primary meaning of the word love in the scripture that we see is a purposeful commitment to sacrificial action for another person. A sacrificial action for another in fact, loving God is demonstrated by obeying his word. We see that in John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. In John 14, 21. He who has, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So we see here right in the very beginning, it's a demonstration. It is an action that you, it's not just words, but it's actions that must line up with those words of expressing of love for another person. Powerful emotions may accompany biblical love, but it is the commitment of the will of your heart that holds love steadfast and unchanging. Your moods, your emotions will be like a roller coaster at times. And your love will come, if it's based upon just your emotions, it will come and go in moments and seconds. Don't you just love it outside? Isn't it just, I love the sun, and in seconds, here comes the snow and what happens? 
What happened to your love? Emotions may change, but a commitment to love in a biblical manner endures and is the hallmark of the disciple of Jesus Christ. How do you know if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ? Is your commitment and your actions in how you live your life that is pleasing to God. So many people that you meet and you and I were at one time would say, I love Jesus, I'm a Christian, but yet does not line up for the love that you have because your actions do not line up with the word you said. You had an emotional love, not a biblical love, in your expression of your love for God and love for someone else. If you truly say, oh, I love you, brother, but your actions and your words that come out of your mouth do not line up with it biblically, then which one is true? Because what comes out of the heart or comes out of the mouth is in, in your actions, it comes from your heart. Your words are very empty. John 3.16 was a commitment and an action of God's love demonstrated for you. John 13 verses 34 and 35 is truly a demonstration. I, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We see it also in Romans chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but that we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. How important it is that we understand biblical love, the biblical love for our God and our biblical love for one another. All of God's directives for living are based on loving God and loving others in a biblical manner. We see that in Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40, and clearly in Mark 12, 28 through 34. And if you love, and you are loved, you are to love God with all your heart, soul, might, and mind. We see again clearly in Mark 12, 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. You come into a relationship with God and he's like, what, do you, what does God want with me? Well, the first commandment he tells you to do is to what? Love him. Not partially, not emotionally, but biblically. With all your heart, 
with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. How important that is. You are to love God. And you are to love your neighbor. Your neighbor as already you love your, as you already love yourself. We see that in Matthew 7:12. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. We see it in Ephesians 5:29. For no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. The Lord loves us. He cherishes us. He provides for us. He protects us. He guides us. He lights your path. He leads us. All of God's directives are a living based on those two commandments. Love is giving and not getting. That's the second key point. Love is a giving love. A biblical love is a giving person. Not a getting. God gave his only begotten son. He gave. And with God's love being the basis and the example for the expression of your love, we see in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifest toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. And in this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, you, me, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We see how important it is that God gives his only begotten son. He gave. The Lord Jesus Christ loves you and gave himself for you. The Lord Jesus Christ gave himself as a ransom on your behalf. And he also, the Lord Jesus Christ, is in demonstrating his love, served others even though he is the master. We see that in John 13. John 13 verses 14 through 17. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. I like that point. I should highlight that again. For I have given you an example that you should do all as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. 
Verse Timothy 2, 6, who, he, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. These scriptures are very important to understand that we must, as we grow in our relationship as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, we will see that we will be more eager and, and, and fulfilled as a giver than a getter. In a relationship with God, it's about giving back. It's about just pouring out to God what he has already given to you. When you have a relationship with another person, it's about how can I give to that person more than what can I get from that person? If I love this, the church, what can I do to give back into the church? Then look to what I can get from the church. What I mean by the church is the people who dwell within that building. How can I give versus get? That is biblical love. The third point I want to make tonight, and this is where we'll spend most of our time, is breaking down the aspect of biblical love in more detail. And that is the specific characteristics of biblical love. That is demonstrated by godly deeds. Deeds being thoughts and your actions and words we see in 1 Corinthians Chapter 13, verses 4 through 8 that I read. The test of biblical love is to do the following. Because many times people need a checklist. I'm going to give you a checklist tonight. Of how you can demonstrate biblical love toward another person or group of people. And how you can follow along because God gave us the words. That we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. But the test of biblical love is to do the following specifically when you don't feel like it. Matthew 5, verses 46 through 48. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. How important it is that we biblically love according to the, how God sees how you are to love one another. And not base it upon your feelings. Because your feelings will mislead you many times. Again, there's so many factors that can affect your feeling of that moment, of that time, or that day. Or that year. How many people are affected because of a year? <laughs> you hear it all the time. You're, oh, I'm such a beautiful day. What about 2020? Oh, you know, it's just immediately the... The happiness just goes away. But we see here in 1 Corinthians, the love is patient. Love is patient. We see that love is patient even when you feel like 
forcefully expressing yourself. Love bears pain or, tri or trials without complaint. Shows forbearance under the, the strain or the weight of the situation. You find yourself as steadfast despite the opposition or the difficulty or the advers the adversity of people coming against you. You must learn to still love in a biblical love of patience. Even when you feel like you must express yourself in that situation. We must learn to be patient in expressing the biblical love to another person. Love is kind. Even when you want to retaliate physically or tear down another with your words, you are to be love in kindness. Love is sympathetic, considerate, gentle, agreeable. That's what it means to love in kind, or love is kind. You must have a love that's sympathetic, considerate, gentle, and agreeable. Not looking to get into a, a confrontation when things don't seem to go your way. You're ready to fight with your words. You're ready to fight physically over the situation. That is not a biblical love for another person. Love is kind. So love is patient. Love is kind. And love is not jealous. Specifically when you are aware that others are being noticed more than you. Why does that person seem to get more attention than me? Why is everyone seems to go to their direction and, and what about me? Look what everyone else gets to do. You can see it clearly on Facebook. But what about me? Love does not participate in rivalry, competing. Competing against one another is not in the line of love is, of, uh, is uh, in biblical love because it will drive a love that is not uh, a jealousy in a way that is unbiblical. We're talking about love is not jealous in a biblical way between one another. Even though we see in the scripture, God says, I'm a jealous God. I want to protect my love, your love, with one another. But in this respect, when love is not jealous, it means it's a self-centered, I want to be noticed and I want to be number one. That's not biblical love. Love works for the welfare and the good of the other. It's not the love that works to, for my benefit, my welfare, for my good. Love does not, is not hostile toward one believed to enjoy an advantage over another. 
It is not suspicious. Someone who is suspicious of other people in a way that is not right, is not good, it's not, it, you, you feel like you're losing out on something. Be very careful. That, it's, it's, that is not a biblical love that you're expressing to another person, even if it's just in your mind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag. Even when you want to tell the world about your accomplishments. A biblical love does not brag. Love does not flaunt itself boastfully and does not engage in self-glorification for man or woman to see. Instead, love lifts up or builds up others before yourself. That's a big challenge for many. Because you want to brag on yourself. You have a love me wall. You post all kinds of things of your accomplishments. And you're not happy when someone doesn't give you a lot of likes and hearts and all these other little emoji things that go with it. Be very careful in these things. Biblical love, again, is about lifting and building up others in that relationship with you. So love does not brag. And love is not arrogant. Love is not arrogant even when you think you are right and others are wrong. Love does not assert itself or become overbearing in dealing with other people. Do not become arrogant. I know, I know. You're always right. <clears throat> you always seem to have the right answer. You always seem to always, my way is the better way. But be very careful in the love between one another because it can become, and a love is arrogant in your life, and it should not be. Because biblical love is not arrogant does not brag, it's not arrogant, and love does not act unbecomingly. How's that to promise? If I have a British accent, unbecomingly. Even when being boastful, rude, or overbearing will get you attention and allow you to get your own way. That's what it means to be overbearing. I'll be so overbearing in this relationship, they're guarantee he will buckle and do what I want him to do. Love conforms to what is right, and what is fitting, and what is appropriate to the situation that will bring honor and glory to the Lord. That's the measurement. Will it honor the Lord? If it is, then it's good and it's right and fitting and appropriate of the situation. If not, then you're not following the biblical love. It can be act, you can become an act of overbearance in your relationship. The next one is love does not seek its own. 
even when you feel like grabbing it all, and you have an opportunity to do so, it's clearly right in front of you to grasp it. Love does not try to fulfill its own desires. It does not ask for its own way. It does not try to acquire gain for oneself. Love, biblical love, as an act of the will, seeks to serve and not be served. When you're not seeking your own, It's not everyone has to follow your agenda. They have to serve me and do what I want. But it must be a biblical love is one that says, I want to serve you. I'm here for you. I'm not looking, even though there's an opportunity for me to to grab it all and have the control over all, an opportunity to fit and fulfill my own desires and agenda out of love for you, biblically, I'll put my agenda and my desires aside because I love you. Next one is, love is not provoked. Even when others attempt to provoke you and poke you, (laughs) or you are tempted to strike out at something or someone, Biblical love is not provoked. Oh, I know she she loves me, but she's provoking you, man. That's not biblical love. Love is not aroused or excited to outbursts of anger. That is not Biblical love. That is love that's provoked. It brings about this anger out of people. Outbursts. But biblical love that's not provoked is one that love is continues faithfully and gently to train others in righteousness even when they fail. Oh, parenting. (laughs) Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. If you love your children, you do not provoke your children to anger. But you must be careful. You must be gentle and faithful. Continue in righteousness to train them up. You don't sit there and go, oh, I can't provoke my children to anger. They're going to get angry. Well, no, that's, that's their moods. They're, they've got a problem. You need to discipline them. But you still have to train them up and you have to just be patient and gentle. But you still have to train them up in righteousness. Are you with me, parents? You can't just sit there and say, oh, I don't, I'm, biblically I can't provoke my children to anger. No, it's how you do it. That's the problem. You still have to teach them, but you don't do it in an unbiblical way. It's got to be biblical love. Love does not take into account a wrong suffered. Even when everyone seems to be against you or when people openly attack you. Love does not hold a grudge against someone else. If you're holding a judge, you're wrong. That's not biblical love. 
you must repent. Love forgives. It chooses not to bring up past wrongs and accusations or retaliations. Let me remind you, be very careful. Why? Because we're not to return evil for evil. And does not indulge in self-pity. Love covers a multitude of sins. The next one. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. Even when it seems like a misfortune was exactly what another person deserved. Oh, he deserved that one. Ooh, you don't remember how he did that to me? Oh, man, you're going to reap what he sows. And you kind of couch it with a little scripture here and there to try to justify your emotions. But that's not biblical love if you really love them. You do not rejoice in unrighteousness. You don't celebrate someone's misfortune. Love mourns over sin. Love mourns over its effect on people's lives. You mourn of the pain which results from living in a fallen world. You mourn over the things that are happening in people's lives. Love seeks to reconcile others with the Lord. You want to help them reconcile. Brother, you, do you realize the path you're on and the destruction and the, and the ruin and the, the effect you will have on everyone around you because you're in this unrepentant sin? I want to help you, man. Next is love rejoices with the truth. Oh, how you can love someone when you're just rejoicing in the truth that God gives and shows. Even when it is easier and more profitable materially to lie at that moment in time. Do you know how much I would lose if I told them? Be very careful. Love is joyful when truth is known, even when it may lead to some really bad adverse circumstances or persecution. You must tell the truth in love. And you will rejoice and you're always telling the truth. In a relationship, biblical love, it also reveals as love bears all things, the scripture says to us. All things. How much is all? You've heard me say that many times and many other teachers. All means all. So love bears all things, even when disappointments seem overwhelming. I am so disappointed I, in fill in the blank. Love is tolerant. 
bears all things, it's tolerant, endures with others, endures. That means you're right alongside someone as they're struggling, you're enduring with them to help them because love bears all things. Endures with others who are difficult to understand or deal with. Oh, man, this is going to be difficult. But because of the biblical love you have for that sister, for that brother, even during some difficult times you find yourself dealing with them and, and trying to understand where the things are, even difficult situations, understanding what they're coming from, we're to endure. And we must have an eternal perspective in these difficulties. Because as soon as you can get your eyes off of the situation at hand and put it from an eternal perspective, I need to endure these things because God commands me to do it. But two, I may, out of my love for this person and bearing all things with this person, may lead them or uh, to lead them or to encourage them in their walk with Jesus Christ. We must learn it's about God and the things of God. Bear, love bears all things. Why? Because love remembers that God develops spiritual maturity through difficult circumstances, difficult situations. That is how God develops spiritual maturity in another person. That's why you, you see people struggling and they want to kind of butt heads and, and you're, you're, they want to wrestle you and they're on a struggle and they want to kind of kindly, kindly, you know, press you. But you're going to bear all things for the sake of their maturing spiritually as a brother or as a sister. Love believes all things. That's the next one. Love believes all things. Even when others' actions are ambiguous and you feel like not trusting anyone any longer, you do know sheep bite. And once you've gotten bitten, you know how easy it is once you've gotten bitten by a coworker or bitten by a, a brother or sister or bitten by someone, or even a, your spouse maybe? We have a tendency to what? I don't know if I trust or believe this person anymore. But biblical love believes all things. Love accepts truth uh, trustfully. It does not judge people's motives and believes others until facts prove otherwise. They're innocent until proven what? Guilty. Meaning their motive and their actions line up with what their heart really says. They really 
don't love God and they really don't love you and that is why they're coming against you. But that doesn't change. We're still to what? Love believes all things. But God loves him as a non-believer and God wants me to share out of love the gospel to them because I want them to be saved. And I believe that God can save them. I trust that God, even though these people have motives that are not right, they've proven out that they're not right, they've, they've, their, heart, their, their true colors have come out. How many times people can say and act one way, but inside their heart is absolutely the opposite. Eventually, the facts will bear out. The true colors will be revealed. But in the meantime, biblical love believes all things that they will change. They believe they will come to a point where they will be no longer doing what they're doing. Because even when facts prove that the other person is untrustworthy, love seeks to help to restore the other to trustworthiness. You can trust them. Then facts bear out that they're not trustworthy. You don't let them drop. You sit there out of biblical love. What can I do to help them to become trustworthiness? God, how can you help? How can you use me in the life of that person? Even though they've come against me and they're shown to be untrustworthy. But that's love believes all things. The next is love hopes all things. Love hopes all things, even when nothing appears to be going right. <laughs> How many times I've heard, Pastor, nothing goes right in my life. I don't care what it is, it just nothing seems to be going right. Maybe you've said that in your own life. Nothing seems to be going right in this relationship. But love expects fulfillment of God's plan. And he anticipates the best for the other person. My biblical love for that person expects God's plan to be worked out in their life. I'm not God. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know all things. I don't see all things. I'm not everywhere. But I know God is. And God loves that person and God has a plan for that person. So I'm going to have the love for that person that hopes all things for that person's life. That God's plan will be worked out. I'm expecting the best for the other person and that person to change. Because love confidently entrusts others to the Lord to do his sovereign and perfect will in their lives. Love hopes all things, even when you don't see it in that person's life or feel that that person, that, that, that guy is lost. That is not a biblical love that we are to have. We hope all things. 
Love also endures all things. Especially when you think you just can't endure the people or circumstances in your life one more moment. I cannot handle this. I am done. Those words that they come out of your mouth does not express a biblical love that endures all things with another person. Your heart is not right. Love remains steadfast under suffering. Love remains steadfast under hardship. It will not yield or return blessing while undergoing trials. Let me say that again. Love remains steadfast under suffering. Love remains steadfast or through hardship without yielding or returning and returns a blessing while undergoing trials. How important it is that we stay steadfast, stay strong in trusting what God is doing in and through that relationship. And finally, on this one point, love never fails. Even when you feel overwhelmed. Even when the situation seems hopeless in your life. Love will not crumble under pressure or difficulties. Love remains selfishly faithful even to the point of death. Love never fails. These characteristics of love in the life of a disciple must be our desire because it is God's will for our life. We must desire to have that kind of love in our life and pouring out from our life. And it will happen as we continue to be discipled by God, by His Spirit, by His truth, Spirit in truth and truth. And we will see this bear, this fruit of biblical love to bear from your life. We see these characteristics in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. It says, Therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which, with which you were called with all loneliness and gentleness, with long-suffering and bearing with one another in love, enduring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Colossians 3, verse 14, But above all things of these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. You must devote yourself to loving one another. You must devote and remain fervent in this love for one another because God has already given you His love freely. You don't need to ask God for more love for another person because His love has already been poured out within your heart when you got saved. Romans 5.5 5. 
Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. Romans 5, 5. You've already have the love that God's talking about to love the other person. You just need to biblically change for that love to be poured out as we described tonight. That means you have to die yourself, surrender yourself, and live for God. Let the Spirit run and flow through your lives like a spring. Like Psalm 87, 7, I believe, at the end. Springs in you. I'm a springs in you. That spring of life, can, of love, can be certainly poured out on the love for another, And you must and can practice biblical love even when you do not feel like it. Luke 6, verse 27 through 38. And many other scriptures with that. You must practice biblical love. When you don't feel like it. But also when you must... Take a stand on biblical principle that may lead to misunderstanding or retaliation. You must stand on that truth. 1 John 4.18 There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. You must grow and must mature, my brothers and sisters. And let me finish here the last point, and that is biblical love must be practiced even when difficult situations arise that cannot be ignored. You can't ignore it. You are to practice biblical love even when you must seriously admonish one, uh, someone. That you have to take actions to correct a fellow believer who is in sin. We see that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted. Uphold the weak. Be patient with all. Seek that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Even when it's difficult situation, you must, at a biblical love, you must seriously address the things in people's lives that is that relationship that you have with them in a biblical way to address the sin in their life. Because that sin's going to affect your relationship with them. If you think you love them and you're not going to say something to them, you're fooling yourself. Because sin in someone person's life that's in a relationship with you, that sin will affect you. Sin always affects everyone around you. So ignoring it is not right. Biblical love will lovingly, biblically correct or bring attention to, their, to them. Establish firm rules of behavior in dealing with a so-called believer who persists in practicing sin. We must, you must firmly address and set boundaries for those so-called believers who continue to persist in sin and they're not responsive. 
That's biblical love. You're going to address it. We see in Scripture, avoid fellowship with an unruly child of God, 2 Thessalonians 3.6. Reject, avoid a fraction or divisional type person in the body of Christ, Titus 3.10-11. Discipline your child, Ephesians 6.4. Resort to police involvement or become involved in a legal process. And you must, and at times, you might have to do that. We see that in Romans 13, verses 1 through 5. And last point here. Even though you personally are to deal with any situation in biblical love. Other believers should also become involved whenever it is necessary and biblically appropriate to deal with situations that you find yourself in. You have to deal with that person maybe in a difficult situation and that person's not receptive. It is okay to come and ask someone to help you to help win that other person back out of love for them. Not to gang up on them. That's not the point. The point is you want to try to restore that person because they do not know what they do. And it's important at a biblical love you will look at that. And we've addressed restoration and discipline biblically. We took care of that, oh, many Sundays ago. So I encourage you to go back and look up... Uh, some of those teachings on the restoration piece and how you work with that relationship. But again, biblical love. It's not just a feeling, not just emotions. It's action that lines up and very pleasing to our Lord and how we love one another and love him.